Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome again to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen. You know, Joseph Smith claimed that God decreed the practice of plural marriage in order to obtain eternal life. When a man takes two or three plural wives, he has complied with that decree. So why do polygamous men take 25 or 30 or 35 or more plural wives? <laughs> why isn't just a couple of extra wives enough? Well, the purpose of our show, of course, is to show that polygamy was never God's plan for humans. Before we get started on today's show, we do want you to know that we help people leave polygamy and we help them discover that God won't be angry at you if you do leave. We would love to talk to you about this. Our toll-free number is 877-425-9993 or you can go to our website shieldandrefuge.org to find out more about us. If you want to talk about any of our shows or ask questions or be a guest on our show, email us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Also, there's audio versions available for our, audio versions of our program are available, and you can go to our main webpage for instructions, or you can go to soundcloud.com slash whatloveisthis. In addition to SoundCloud, our show is also available on iTunes podcast. And now we would like to welcome, thanks, and thank... (laughs) Our co-host Earl Erskine, Bishop Earl Erskine, Bishop Earl. Yeah, <laughs> interesting title. It but. continues to <laughs> to follow you. <laughs> you know, we've been doing a series presenting Joseph Smith's plural wives, telling the stories that show that Joseph Smith uh, was a polygamy a polygamist, and that it was just oppressive in his day as it is today. We use In Sacred Loneliness, written by Todd Compton, and Nauvoo Polygamy, written by George D. Smith, as the primary sources for the information on this series. We heartily recommend both those books if you're interested in finding out more. This time, we're going to tell the story of the Partridge sisters, Emily and Eliza. They were Joseph Smith's plural wife numbers 19 (laughs) and 20. Wow. Before we begin, however, we need to bring biblical evidence to bear on Smith's polygamy practices. Everyone knows by now that Joseph Smith said God commanded him to begin Old Testament-style polygamy marriage, and he added that it was necessary for exaltation. Well, Joseph Smith brought God into it, and so will we. God regulated the sexual activity and marriages of the ancient Israelites. So we quote one of his commands regarding a man marrying sisters as plural wives. Apparently, Joseph didn't read this Old Testament portion here. Not that part. <laughs> Leviticus 18.18 18 says, Do not take your wife's sister as a rival wife and have sexual relations with her while your wife is living. Now, we've talked about this before on different shows, and, and Joseph Smith disregarded these regulations. He married at least five sets of sisters. Five. And, and, you know, in the polygamy groups today, that's what they do. They just do that. Mm. Uh, they marry sisters all the time. They, don't, they disregard the Old Testament. The Partridge sisters are two of the best known of Joseph Smith's 
plural wives. And as with other plural wives, as teenagers, they lived in the household of Joseph Smith for some time before he married them. Well, wife number 18 was Emily Dow Partridge Smith Young. She was married on March 4th, 1843 to Joseph Smith. She was 19 years old. He was 37. And of course, that was the same day that he married Flora Ann Woodworth another teenager. <laughs> Wife number 20 was Eliza Marie Partridge Smith Lyman. She was married four days later to <laughs> Joseph Smith on March 8th, and she was 22 years old. Well, we'll start with Eliza. Her parent, she was the first of, uh, child of her parents, and she was born in April of 1820 in Ohio. Emily was born February 28th in 18, uh, 1824, also in Ohio. Detailed information about their experiences of life in polygamy were recorded in diaries, so we have some good information. We'd like to quote one of the uh, parts of the story. Yeah, this is from In Sacred Loneliness, page 397. The two sisters left extensive diary records of these marriages, which are remarkably explicit re critiques of their polygamist husbands and implicit critiques of polygamy itself. Both women clearly experienced financial and emotional neglect while living the principle. And of course, the principle is polygamy. Yeah. In December of 1830, their father, Edward, was baptized into the Mormon church. And four days later, Joseph Smith ordained him an elder in the church. And the following April, he was called to be the first Mormon bishop. So the wow. Partridges became yeah. an elite general authority family. In August of 1831, Joseph Smith insisted that Edward Partridge moved his family from Ohio to Independence. They had a nice farm and they lived a good life in Ohio, but his wife wasn't excited about giving that up to move to Independence. But all things for Joseph Smith, who often backed up his commands with supposed revelations <laughs> from God. So his wife sold the farm and packed up their family and made the move without her husband's help because he remained in Independence mm -hmm. with Joseph Smith. The trip was a tough trip for the family, for his wife and uh, Lydia, we want to quote what happened on okay. part of the journey. Yeah, page 401. As winter approached, the five Partridge girls and their mother set out for Missouri with a group of saints. The journey was unfortunate from the beginning to end. Lydia was advised to put her money in the hands of one of the brethren who, according to Emily, cheated her out of it. The Partridge's provision chest was stolen, rifled, and thrown overboard. We saw it floating downstream and knew it at once, wrote Emily. I can't imagine how awful that would be. You know, the, the, all the money for the farm and, yeah. and everything they had to sell, and it just gone. just gone. And then their belongings, too, just gone. This was a long and torturous and terrible journey, and they finally arrived, but their father had not even gotten a house for them to mm. move into. Their, their life was hard when they first came to Missouri, which was much different than their life had been in New England. Um, but they settled into the pioneer life as Mormons. The family suffered through long, cold winters and poverty and, of course, the Mormon persecutions that took place. They eventually left Independence and moved to Clay County, then to Caldwell County, where Edward finally built a home for his family. There they settled and tried to live a normal life, but persecution <laughs> flared up again, and they were forced to move to Quincy, and from there they moved on to Nauvoo. Eliza was 18 years old, and Emily was 14. In Nauvoo, they faced the problem of severe malaria outbreaks, 
and they and they they tended to the sick and then they became ill themselves their sister Harriet became sick and died mm. we quote from page 405 Edward returned to work building a log cabin on his lot and began to move his family into it but when he was in the middle of, the, of his task his health failed due to illness overwork and the exposures of Missouri he was ill for a week and a half and then died on May 27th Eliza was so sick at the time that she could not even attend the funeral. Gee. Of course, this is a heartbreak. The family recovered from their illnesses eventually, and despite their grief over the death of their father and sister, they needed some income to support the family. And the first opportunity that opened up to them was to go into Joseph Smith's home and work, not for wages, but for room and board. Mm. Well, Emily described her job in their home as being a nurse girl for their young baby, and she loved tending babies. And the sisters enjoyed the time that they lived at the Smith home. And of course, it was a very prestigious situation for them because they could hobnob with yeah. the elite of Mormon Nauvoo society. But a shocking turn of events soon took place. We quote again. Mm -hmm. Page 406. Spring 1842, Joseph began to teach Emily, now 18, the principle of plural marriage. She retold the story of her courtship a number of times. She wrote, when I was 18 years old, I guess, Joseph said to me one day, Emily, if you will not betray me, I will tell you something for your benefit. Of course, I would keep his secret but no opportunity offered for some time to say anything to me. Well, because there was no opportunity for him to say anything to her, he gave her a letter and asked her to promise to burn it <laughs> after she read it. Well, Emily prayed about receiving and reading the letter because she suspected it was a romantic letter from her host, from her employer, from a father figure and a spiritual leader, and so she refused to either take it or read it. Wow. Well, events continue. You know, Joseph Smith was never one to be put off. Yeah. We quote again from page 406. He asked me if I wished the matter ended, and I said I did. While it is not overtly stated that the letter concerned plural marriage, it is clear from context that Emily understood he was broaching a marriage proposal. However, on this first proposal, Emily reported that she shut him up so quick that he did not bring up the subject again for months. Again, it makes you wonder what <laughs> yeah. happened that, that made that take place. Yeah. Uh, of course, she was troubled by what Joseph Smith was teaching, and, and she said that she struggled during those months, was especially troubled because Joseph Smith did not allow her to talk to anyone uh, to about what he had said to her, not even her mother. You know, what's interesting about all this is Jesus said that he spoke to no one in secret. He That's did right. not teach in secret. And we would only wish that Joseph Smith and all his plural wives, but also today's polygamists would follow Jesus's example be open, huh? <laughs> and be open. Yeah. If it has to be spoken of or done in secret, then it's highly suspect. Well, Joseph sent an older plural wife, Elizabeth yeah. Durfee, whom we frequently, who he frequently used her to recruit younger wives for him. Elizabeth invited Emily to visit her, and Emily quickly learned that Mrs. Durfee was a friend to the plural marriage system. She was one of Joseph Smith's already married to another man, plural wives. Mm -hmm. 
Emily was so distressed, she broke her promise of secrecy and told her older sister Eliza that she had been introduced to the doctrine of polygamy and that Smith had proposed to her. Well, this information plunged Eliza into a severe depression, but Emily said that that only served to prepare Eliza for the time when Joseph would also propose to her. Well, Emily herself was depressed and conflicted over the situation. Sadly, she let emotions take over good sense. And on her 19th birthday, she received what she called a testimony of the correctness of plural marriage. Now, for our protection, God has given us principles in which we discover truth from error. And one of those is in 1 John chapter 4. Yeah, in the very first verse, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The lie that polygamy is a correct principle, as she said, is from a spirit that is not from God. There would have been and would be many fewer victims of polygamy if people would just check out what God really did say. Joseph Smith renewed his proposal to Emily, and this is what she said happened. Not to give up. On February 28, 1843, Emily's 19th birthday, he renewed his suit. He taught me this principle of plural marriage, that it is called polygamy now, but we called it celestial marriage. And he told me that this principle had been revealed to him, but it was not generally known. And he went on and said that the Lord had given me to him, and he wanted to know if I would consent to a marriage. And I consented. Oh, my. Well, Joseph Smith frequently told his victims that the Lord had already given her to him, using God as his ratifying agent and implying how sacrilegious it would be for them to doubt it. It was her duty to comply and accept the fact that she was already Joseph Smith's possession. Isn't that awful? Well, the wedding took place a week later. Very strangely, on that day, Elizabeth Durfee came to Emily and told her Joseph Smith wanted to see her immediately and that she thought he wanted to make her his wife. There were no previous <laughs> plans, no, no previous notice at all. Emily knew what was going to happen. She complied. Now, it was wash day for her, for the family. She'd been washing clothes all day long, and she didn't even stop to change the clothes she was wearing. She had been told to go to Heber C. Kimball's house, and when she got there, no one was there. So she waited, and Mm. for a while, eventually, Kimball and Joseph Smith showed up. She suddenly became afraid and tried to run away, but Kimball followed her, we quote from page 408. Wow. I thought at first I would not go back and took no notice of his calling, but he kept calling and was about to overtake me, so I stopped and went back to him. Well, she was obviously a reluctant bride. She was afraid. She was frightened. It's stories like this that... (laughs) But she had already prepared her mind mentally. She said they were married then and there. Then, after the ceremony, Joseph turned and went to his home, and Mm. she went back home. It's a strange way of getting married, but everything about polygamy is strange. Heber C. Kimball performed the ceremony. We quote from uh, on page 408. So Joseph, 37, married this frightened, fatherless 19-year-old whom he had not allowed to consult even her mother or older sister. According to Emily's later testimony in a law court, there was a sexual dimension to her marriage with Joseph. 
She testified that she roomed with him the night following the marriage and explicitly stated that she had carnal intercourse with him on a number of occasions. So that that right there, and this is from diaries, you know, that yeah. right there just throws away the idea that they used to say, well, he never had sex with any right. of them. Right, it wasn't sexual at all. Mm. He, they were just being sealed to him or being married to him. Right, that's been the excuse that people have used, mostly yeah. from the LDS Church. But when, when you look at things like this as well, um, the the Book of Mormon says that the reason for polygamy <laughs> is to raise up righteous seed. Yeah, the only that that's another excuse they use. Yeah. Okay, so how can it be both? <laughs> right. Joseph Smith had all these wives, but not sex, and yet the only way you can have all these wives is to have sex, to have babies. Yeah. So there's just such a confliction there yeah. of what was going on. Uh, it's a terrible way, you know. You think of these young girls; they have. Girls tend, young teenagers sure. especially, have romantic dreams and ideas and aspirations, yeah. and he just he just throws that all away. Ignores he, their tender feelings mm -hmm. and just uh, commands them and ex pushes them. Uh, yeah, it's it's really sad. It's very sad. It's sad. It's very that, sad. Use his position of authority. Four days later, Joseph Smith married her sister. <laughs> Four days later. There, there's no record of how Joseph Smith approached Eliza. She only wrote that he had taught her the plan of celestial marriage one day while she was with him in his home and that it was a great trial for her. But she said she had the most implicit confidence in him as a prophet of the Lord and had to believe that his words were true. So she accepted his proposal. And this is another part of his polygamy that really bothers me, that he uses his spiritual status yeah. as the coercing agent, you know. It yeah. just And he was probably very charismatic and however influential he was, he mm -hmm. was able to gain their trust and that he was the prophet and spoke for the Lord. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was only a few years ago, and it was in Utah County, that um, somebody, from, and he was an, an LDS bishop, I believe, but anyway, he was he had some kind of, of authority, spiritual authority in the church down there, and he was taken to court and found guilty of molesting a sexual, I don't know how involved it was, yeah. with a young girl, underage girl, and the judge said, specifically said that because you were a spiritual leader, it makes your crime even worse. Wow. It's exactly what Joseph Smith did. That's different exactly. than the recent crime thing that we've just heard about in Provo. Where it, it's different. Somebody said that he mm -hmm. was a good man. And they, yeah, that's yeah. a different story, totally yeah, different totally story. Different. Good men don't molest that's true. young girls. Yeah. So um, she accepted his proposal because she thought he was right, because he was supposed to be God's prophet. Yeah. And this is what we she said. Yeah. yeah. We were sealed in 1843 by Heber C. Kimball in the presence of witnesses. Orson Hyde was one of the witnesses. The secrecy of polygamy was so great then, neither Emily or Eliza knew that the other had been married or that they now shared a common husband. That's something. Both <laughs> sisters. Now, she had told her sister that he had proposed to her, but not, but not the but actual marriage. marriage, and she not the actual marriage until later. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Partridge sisters were living in the home of Joseph and Emma Smith, and suddenly they found themselves entangled in a very stormy relationship between Joseph and Emma. Eliza recorded what happened two months after she and Emily had married Joseph. Mm 
He was trying to convince Emma to allow him to take plural wives, even though he already had 20, but she didn't know it. She finally agreed, but only on one condition, that she could select the wives for him. Well, he agreed, and to his surprise, she selected Emily and Eliza, not knowing that he had already married them. We quote. Oh, this is so funny. This put Joseph and the sisters in an awkward position, but Emily wrote, To save the family trouble, Brother Joseph thought it best to have another ceremony performed. Accordingly, on the 11th of May in 1843, we were sealed to Joseph Smith a second time in Emma's presence, she giving her free and full consent thereto. Joseph's friend in Freemasonry, Judge James Adams, performed the ceremony. Well, again, we find shocking information. I, I, and I find this interesting, too, that Judge James Adams was a Freemason. and there yes. was, He wasn't a Mormon. He was a Freemason, yeah. and he knows about this secret polygamy that Joseph Smith is going on and actually is involved in performing the marriage. Good point. So I don't know what all is about that. And now we know Emma also knows about polygamy. Now she the knows. The polygamy, which uh-huh. sometimes has come up. But, but this throws her into a tizzy, yeah. as you can yeah. imagine. Yes. And, and I've seen first wives go into this kind of situations after their husband is married. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emily and Eliza's relationship to Emma changed immediately. Emily wrote that from that point on, Emma was their bitter enemy. They remained in the family house for several months after that, but things went from bad to worse. William Clayton wrote in his journal one of the problems they faced. President Joseph Smith, of course, stated to me that he had had a little trouble with Sister Emma. Joseph had been talking with Eliza Partridge in a room in the house when Emma knocked on the door. He held the door shut, but Emma called Eliza four times and tried to force open the door. President opened it and told her the cause. She seemed much irritated. Well, yeah, you can imagine what's going on in her head. Sure. With, of course she would be irritated. Her husband was spending time behind closed doors with one of these young girls uh, that he had just taken as a plural wife, and Emma knew it. Um, so naturally her mind is going to play all kinds of of uh, scenarios in her head of what is going on. Uh, the question is, did Emily, or Emma, excuse me, really accept polygamy or not? Yeah, don't. <laughs> uh, she, she became very bitter against it, of course. But as section 132 states, God threatened her with destruction if she didn't agree to it. So I think she probably felt she had no choice. Talk about coercion. Huh? Yes, yeah. yes. Later, however, she denied Joseph's polygamy. Emily's diary records that eventually things got so bad that Emma gave an ultimatum to her husband. <laughs> she sent for us one day to come to her room. Joseph was present, looking like a martyr. Emma said some very hard things. Joseph should give us up or blood should flow. She would rather... Ha, rather her blood would run pure than be polluted in this manner. Such interviews were quite common. So you can just see the kind yeah. of, a, of a rage or, or a jealous yeah, a situation course. Emma would be in, threatening blood to flow and, and even saying her own blood needed to remain poor. She didn't want to be polluted yeah, with, with polygamy. polygamy. Uh, By the way, the Book of Mormon uses that word when it talks about polygamy. (laughs) Emily uh, wrote in her diary that Joseph Smith agreed to Emma's Emma's ultimatum, and he came to them. 
he shook hands with them, and everything at that point ended between them. That was it. Huh? They were divorced by a handshake. I wonder if the Mormon temple does that these days, get rid of divorced so. <laughs> plural wives that way. Emma confronted the sisters and ordered them out of her house and out of the city. Well, they declined to leave the city, but they did leave their house. Joseph Smith did help them find new accommodations in the homes of, of other people, and they were gone, and they had no further dealings with him at all. After these events took place, Joseph Smith told William Clayton that he had to tell Emma he would relinquish all his wives for her sake because if he didn't, she would get a divorce and leave him. On page 411, we read this. Wow. Joseph seems to accede to Emma somewhat casually. While Emma and Emily and Eliza view the marriage seriously, Joseph had taught them that it was a high religious duty, and in addition, it had been a fully sexual relationship. He seems to take it more matter-of-factly. He shakes hands with Emily and Eliza, and the marriage is over. He does not, con he does not t contact them again after they leave his home. So it's over. <laughs> yeah. It's gone. Compton asked this question, why didn't Joseph Smith stand up to Emily, especially since she'd permitted the marriages in the first place? Well, we got the answer earlier. He was afraid she would, she would divorce, divorce him. him. Yeah. Of course, Joseph Smith was killed the following summer, June 27th of 1844, and they all became widows of this philanderer. Emily received and accepted a marriage proposal from Brigham Young. She was 20. He was 43. Wow. Eliza also became a plural wife again. This time she was the second wife of Amasa Lyman, who was 31 years old, his first wife, was Eliza's younger sister. So he married a sister. A so he married sisters. pairs of sisters. That mm -hmm. was very common to marry pairs of sisters then and now in polygamy. It's, it's a ready-made way to pick brides, young brides. Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, and you have to feel for Emma who, <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's just so uh, coerced into this whole thing, goes into, well, like you say, young women and everything have goals and aspirations of a little family and a mm. husband unit, uh, and and they lose it. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. And because of lust. Because of lust, I that's mean, all really, it was, yeah, really. And we see, as we have seen some of these young brides and their responses to his proposals, how they use the words distasteful, depressing, you know, yeah. distressful, terrified, troubled. All of these words are so difficult for them. You know, God's good news is good. Yeah. It's exciting. It's not some so terrible that that's they so go, get depressed for weeks and months. Yeah, so yeah. we know it's not from God that's for that true. reason alone. Well, another... <laughs> Another story gone uh, again. Oh, these poor Earl, sisters, yeah. Thank you so very <laughs> yeah, you much. Bet. You know, Joseph Smith brought God into the doctrine of polygamy. So why is it so remarkable that we also bring God into our discussions of polygamy? Mormon polygamy is religion. In fact, the only region poly reason that polygamists get by with it today is because it's religion. However, the Supreme Court ruled that freedom of religion does not include breaking the law or trampling on others' rights. When the Bible teaches that God loves us, that love includes what he wants the very best for us, and the very best is monogamy. He started monogamy, and Jesus affirmed monogamy. God's love does not, in fact, cannot command the pain and the heartache and the loneliness that polygamy promises, and God will never be angry at anyone who walks away from vows made to the false god of polygamy.
This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.